0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Know Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest, John, who's a fellow dad. And I love interviewing other dads because as, as those of you who know me well know, it's my biggest passion fatherhood family and parenting i have a whole website dedicated to it called daddyblogger.com and i love interviewing other dads who are passionate about uh family about travel and about business because at the end of the day i'm a dadpreneur a parentpreneur and uh i uh, and i'm here in bogota colombia with my kids and uh um because i do these interviews both in video and audio you might actually see the kids popping in and out uh (laughs) and if you just listen to the audio version you got to see it on YouTube as well. And uh, John pointed out something really interesting at the beginning of the interview. Is I'm actually in Colombia wearing, guess what, a Colombia jacket. And that was not intentional at all. Uh, it's not like Colombia sponsored me, uh, both the company or the country. It just happened to be a cool, unique uh, part of this interview. Colombia, uh, wearing a Colombia jacket in Colombia. So uh, John, uh, you know, uh, he he owns a company called Front Row Factor. Uh, you know, he's also a dadpreneur, as I mentioned. And he's passionate about travel and business. So, John, uh, just start off with, for the sake of the listeners and viewers around the world, why don't we get to know you a little bit more? Uh, tell us a little bit more about your family
1: and your business. I love talking about my family, man. This is this is dangerous territory. I could talk for a long time. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, me too. You might have to cut me off. Now we uh, beautiful family. My wife, uh, Tatiana, I have two boys, an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. We live in Austin, Texas, right now, um, and we just moved here, uh, which I'm really excited about. We we did some soul searching to figure out where we wanted to sort of plant. And so here we are. But uh, we're a family that enjoys travel. I can't say as much as you because it's, I think you might be taking this to a whole other level, Ricky. <laughs> but we uh, we love to travel. We love adventure. I feel very fortunate right now um, to just do what I do, which is I write, I speak, I coach, and I run a charity called Front Row Foundation. So Um, And the beautiful part is that my work allows me to talk a lot about the charity. And like you, um, my passion for fatherhood allows me to do this. uh, I do the front row dads group, which is a, a men who come together and we do a retreat twice a year. So I get to talk about being a dad in my professional life. And that makes me super happy.
0: Wow. You know, I'm definitely inspired by that because, hey, daddyblogger.com doesn't pay the bills fully. I get some posts here and there. I get some advertisers and I do get a feel of the revenue. But I definitely would love to get paid to speak about fatherhood and family. You know, that's my biggest passion as yeah. well. So we're definitely in kindred spirits here. Uh, tell us, uh, walk us through some of your family travels to start off with. I mean, uh, uh, you're based, uh, like you said, in Texas now. You just moved here. Tell us about some of the places you're taking your uh, wife and kids to so far.
1: Well I you know what i want I want to actually talk about that for just a moment because I think that our move to Texas um our travel here was you know was one of the most important moves of our lives, one of the most important adventures of our lives because we we traveled around for three years um trying to figure out where we wanted to call home. So what we would do is we would we Well, first, I should say, we sat down and asked, what is important to us? What do we value? And we made a list and we ranked them and we prioritized. And ultimately, what we came up with for our family was climate, culture, and community were at the very top of that list. So my wife grew up in Krasnoyarsk, Siberia, till she was 18. She had enough of the cold. She never wanted any more of that. And so she was like, we want warm weather year round. And then the second piece of it was community. So Where would we find our people, if you will? And, uh, and, and, you know, all all ultimately, the culture of any community, uh, I think, attracts and creates that, uh, the type of people that attend or that arrive there. So my wife and I were just like, we're going to go to the coolest cities that we can think of around the country, we're going to go to Denver, San Diego, Portland, we went to check out South Florida, I have family in Richmond, Virginia. My wife, when she moved over from Russia, she went to Athens, Georgia. And what we would do is we'd go and we'd live in these places for a month. And we would you know, uh, stay in an Airbnb or find somebody's house in some interesting ways. And then we would figure out if this is the place that we would wanna be. And our last stop was my buddy Hal Elrod had moved here to um, Austin. And he said, come down, stay with us for a week. Uh, check it out. I think you'd really dig it. And we got down here. And by the end of that week, my wife was already, she already had our, our house up for rent in New Jersey. So we moved from New Jersey down to Austin within six months. And so far, everything has been a home run. And, uh, and so I think that adventure of not only finding where we wanted to live um, was a really critical piece, but now planting our, our feet here, even though we still love to get out and travel, this is where we want to uh, set up shop as a home base.
0: Yeah, and thanks for sharing that story because a lot of people, they uh, they pretty much grew up in a city, they live in the city just because of default. I mean, it's sometimes because of just the fact that the parents lived there and then they went to high school there, they went to university there. So it just becomes a natural thing to do. And that was the case for us. I mean, I am uh, born and raised in Vancouver, BC, Canada. And uh, I went to elementary school there, high school there, finished university there. I actually met my wife there. I proposed there. I got married there. I had kid number one there, kid number two there, kid number three there. And uh, we even bought a home there. And that would have been the default. But uh, we didn't want to live life by default. We wanted to live by design. And we actually left it all behind. We left Vancouver, BC Canada on December 6, 2016. And now we're traveling the world. We've already been to 68 countries on six continents. And we're loving it, you know. And we had to make that intentional, conscious, proactive decision to live by design, not default. So good on you for what you did uh, Living, uh, moving from New Jersey to uh, Austin, Texas, and I haven't been there personally, but I know our good travel buddy, uh, Nomadic Matt, a uh, famous travel blogger, uh, he lives in Austin, has a youth hostel there, so uh, it's a great place to be. So John, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the business side of things. Uh, tell us about Front Row Factor and what you do for business there.
1: Yeah so well the way i earn money is as a as an author and a speaker that's how that's how i pay the bills and along with the dad's retreat the, that's how i run my that's how i operate uh you know uh that's how i take care of this crew i should say <laughs> that's how we pay that's how we pay for things um and the way that uh you know i would say the only thing i would say about that business is that the business is completely set up to honor my highest values and the things I care about the most. So Front Row Foundation is a charity that I started 11 years ago with some friends. And we wanted to, what we do is we put people, uh, kids and adults who have a life-threatening illness in the front row of their favorite event. We call that, um, now we call that living life in the front row. So it's not just about a single day, it's about how we live every day of our lives. And this charity is now in its 11th year. We've raised millions of dollars. We've created, uh, you know, uh, many, many experiences for people as young as three up to 93. And my life is designed to support that. So when I go give a keynote speech, I get a chance to talk about Front Row Foundation. Um, the message is called the front row factor and the metaphor is about getting close to the things that matter most to you. And we, we teach the art of moment making and we think that our lives are just made up of a bunch of moments, you know, and you there's a famous quote from a movie, the fight club. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it says our lives are ending one minute at a time, you know, and, and this yes. idea that we get a chance to kind of write our story and, and, um, and create these moments. Um, that, you know, oftentimes our situation or our circumstances aren't favorable, but we get a chance to make the most of whatever we have. And that's what we can learn from people who are fighting for their lives. You know, when we wrote this book, the front row factor, we, when people ask me what it's about, I say, it's everything you can learn about living life from people fighting for it. So now we've found a way to make the business support the charity. And that was always the goal to create a business that would support the charity. And so now every time I speak, a portion of the money goes to the charity. Whenever I, when I write the book, a portion of the money supports the charity, the dad's group portion of that supports the charity. So everything is front row. I don't know if you can see, but I have a, I have some ink on my arm here for anybody watching, but, um, this is my, that's my commitment to the cause. It's everything is front row. And for anybody out there listening, what that means to me is what do we get front row to in our lives? You know, what I want to tell everybody is like what I teach and what I ask is always about what are you front row to? Because uh, my mentor um, and somebody I've learned from over the years, uh, Tony Robbins, has always taught proximity is power. And it's, it's the people and it's the environments and the places. I mean, it's Ricky, where you are right now. That's a very powerful place to be. You put your children in proximity of these incredible adventures and experiences. And as a result of that, we're transformed. So what we're interested in is we're in the business of transformation and we're in the business of transforming through the power of each and every moment. And we want to train those that are around us, uh, the people that I get a chance to connect with, people that I call the Front Row Family, we want to train them how to be moment makers in their lives. And anybody today could go out and be a moment maker. You could literally take your kids, you could go to the store, you could buy some food, you could take it to a homeless shelter. You can go out today with your families, with anybody in your businesses, in your communities, for your neighbors, and you could be moment makers today. And uh, we just encourage people to create and recognize as many front row moments in their lives as possible. And that's what I get paid to do these days.
0: Oh, I love that so much. I'm actually, if all places, in a charity right now as we're speaking. It's called, uh, shout out to them, it's called SOS Children's Village. They're based in Austria in Europe. And now they're in 100 plus countries around the world. And they do amazing work uh, with orphanages, abandoned children, neglected children, broken families, et cetera. uh, You know, as fellow dads here, we can definitely relate to that need for orphans to have a father figure or a mother figure. And uh, part of the reason we uh, visit our orphanages during our travels is so we can actually just uh, learn firstly for ourselves, but also give back and contribute any way we can. I mean, we're here in Colombia. Uh, people don't speak English here as much as, you know, up in the Canada, the U.S. So uh, we're actually just teaching English and that's our way of giving back and uh, even in the kids are making moments. Uh, they're there behind me playing around and uh, we're, we're wanting to see how we can this beautiful world that we live in. A good on you for what you've done raising millions of dollars through your charity and uh, inspiring dads and families. Uh, so uh, if people wanted to find out more uh, about Front Row, what's the different website, social media, by which they can get hold of John?
1: Yeah, FrontRowFactor.com is the hub to everything. FrontRowFactor.com.
0: <laughs> i love it you got ink on there and it's a uh, uh, you know the branding is consistent across the of the way what is your big vision going forward i mean you've established this uh, business and the charity component uh where do you see friend row factor going in the next few months next few years and beyond
1: well i think that the the scalability of it is just to keep attempting to impact as many people as possible but i also don't like getting hung up on that because i think that there's a Sometimes there's too much chatter about scalability and how many people you impact and how important that makes you that the more people you impact, the better. I love impacting lots of people, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I also think it's about taking care of the community that you're in. In other words, it's like having a conversation with one person versus like trying to talk to everybody at the party. Sometimes it's good to just listen to one person and ask them great questions and connect with them versus viewing it a failure if you don't impact everybody at the party, if you're not the star of the party, the highlight of the party. So I think the future is, yes, we wanna grow and impact as many people as possible, but we wanna serve our community at the highest level. And we want everybody to imp- everybody to be moment makers in their lives. For the charity, we hope that one day down the road, there's not a single seat in the front row any, at any event around the world where there's not somebody from our charity in it. That's the huge goal. Um, and I don't know if that will happen in my lifetime, but we're excited about it trying to get there.
0: I love it. And the fact that you build up a business and a charity that uh, uh, goes beyond your life and goes beyond you is what it's all about, uh, going from success to significance. Yeah, that's right. So, John, um, you know, if uh, the dads want to find out about the summit, we talk, you talked a little bit about that. What's the summit all about? Uh, who is it for? And what topics
1: and themes are you covering? Yeah, the front row dads. Man, I could talk about this for a long time, Ricky. You're teeing me up for some good questions here, buddy.
0: Oh, uh, well, uh, hey, we're fathers, man. I mean, we could talk <laughs> We this interview. Could be like a five hour interview
1: if you wanted no to. No question, man. No question. Well, let me tell you this. So, the, the dad's retreat is a group of guys that come together. They do these retreats twice a year. And then we have these. Uh, monthly calls. They're invited to attend. And we have different, we have a private Facebook group for these guys, but these are entrepreneurial minded dads. They're many of them uh, own their own businesses, but we have surgeons in the group. We have real estate investors. We have uh, authors and speakers. We have, uh, you know, just a a variety of different, we have a fireman. We have, it just is a a variety of different dads. I want to tell you why they come together though. and, And, and that's the most important piece. Three things really. One is that they want to form a brotherhood of other dads. They want to be around like-minded, like-hearted dads. Number two is they want to deepen their sense of purpose as a father. Many of these, you could already call them epic dads. They already have a deep sense of purpose, but they also understand there's some level that they can go to, they can go to a deeper level. So a deeper sense of purpose, and then also just sharing best practices and strategies, you know, at our events, you put 30 to 50 guys in a room and they're all brilliant guys. If every guy just brings one great idea, each dad walks away with 30 to 50 new amazing ideas and the accountability of a brotherhood to to make it work. So, I mean, I talked to three front row dads on the phone today alone one-to-one and we talked about we talked about one front-row dad had a friend that he lost um we talked about another front-row dad about relationships and like getting along with our spouse and another front-row dad about um, discipline with kids and it's just having people that are interested in being great dads and, and forming that community and all this began ricky because i was at a party one day and this is a couple years ago and somebody said what do you do and i started talking about you know the speaking and the charity and then i thought wait a minute no no i'm a i'm a dad and a husband That's what I do. But when I'm not doing that, I happen to be doing these other things. And that, 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 that transformation for me in that one moment was huge. And I thought if I look at my calendar, the amount of time I'm putting into becoming a better speaker or personal growth conferences or fundraising. If I look at my desktop on my computer, there's a file for receipts, for taxes, for uh, business planning, and all these things. But there is not a single one on there for my family. I'm not devoting the same amount of time to working on my family and not just in my family. So I wanted to create an event that would, that would allow me to create the space and the time and the accountability to really be working on my family. I'm not, before this, I was spending time with my kids, but it's very different when you take a step back and get strategic and make a plan and think about things the same way you would about your business or any other part of your life. I was, it wasn't, I was, I called myself a great dad, but I, at the, at the end of the day, I couldn't look back and say, I'm doing an amazing job here. There was a whole other level that I needed to get to. So I ran events professionally. I'm like, I'm going to create the event I would want to attend myself. And here we are. We ended up with Front Row Dads. We're in our third retreat. We've got 50 guys. And yeah, it's amazing. And if anybody's out there listening and you think that might be something for you, FrontRowDads.com, you can apply through that site. And it's a highly curated community. We're really careful and intentional about what guys we want in uh, because we want to create the best brotherhood possible. And I have to wave
0: my white flag here because I'm guilty of the things you mentioned, uh, investing too much time in my business, uh, being so work-centric. And I think uh, this is the common ailment of every single man, every single dad I know is we tend to be work-focused. I think, uh, I don't know, it might be uh, DNA or it might be culture. It might just be uh, a lack of uh, um, prioritization. Uh, I know for sure white flag guilty as charge of, not being the best dad it can be, the best husband it can be. And uh, my wife will probably say that too uh, as well. Hey, D- hey, Ricky, spend more time with me. Take me on more date nights. Yeah. Uh, give me more flowers, you know? Uh, just hang out with me. And my kids will say the same thing. They actually do tell me, hey, dad, uh, you know, stop doing all of these coaching calls and the uh, podcasts and all that. We just want time with daddy.
1: Yeah, well, I- and I'll tell you why I think that happens because we wanna show our kids how to work hard. We, we want to show our kids how to contribute to the world. We want to create financial security for our families. All that makes total sense. Um, what ends up happening though, is that for, uh, for many guys, I think what they do is they actually end up creating so much momentum in that space. They end up creating so much significance in their lives. They're, they're a rock star at work, right? They, they go out and they're making a difference and they're impacting people and people tell them they rock and they're making money. But what ends up happening is that they go past the point of what they really need to provide to their family. And then what they end up doing is they use that as an excuse, this whole, like, I'm a provider, I'm going to show my kids how to crush it in the world. They use it as an excuse to not be at home with their kids, to not do some of the difficult work there, to not show up in a place where they might feel inadequate or they don't know what to do. Or they're like, I don't know, ask your mom or ask your dad or whatever it is. But, you know, these are these are things that I see happen all the time. I think that for many of our guys in the group we try to remind ourselves that you know there's there's what your kids really need is your time and your presence and your influence. They don't need you to go out and crush it in the world and make a gazillion dollars. It, yes, if you can do that and still be present with your kids at home, fantastic. But, you know, it's it's a tragedy in my mind to see guys go out and do that in the world and and look back with great regret on their families. And I see it time and time and time and time again. So I don't cast judgment. It's just in my own life when I look at how I want to show up and when I when I get to the end of my life, what am I really going to be proud of? I mean, I give you a great example of this. So my wife, a couple of weeks ago, went to Russia for two weeks. I had the boys by myself um, and. I I was a little nervous about this at at first. But what ended up happening, Ricky, was that at the end of those two weeks, she came back and I said, I'm so excited, I want you to go away again. (laughs) Like, I want you to go away on another trip. Because what ended up happening was that I didn't think there was like a deeper level to go to with my kids. I thought that like I'm already in there. I'm an engaged dad. Like, this is going to be great, but we're not going to like... 10x our relationship, but it happened. It was amazing. And so, I, you know, I, I realized that how influential I could be and needed to be and wanted to be with my kids. And so, you know, this is something we've got to work on. It's a practice and we really have to be intentional about it.
0: Yeah. You know, I've, he- I've heard that story over and over, over, that the dads are trying to be the provider, the protector, but they forget about the other P, the, pr- the presence factor. That's and, right. Uh, the- the kids don't need that. Uh, the money provision; they need the time provision. And uh, you know, it's definitely something I struggle with, and uh, you know, most dads struggle with. So, how do you achieve it for yourself? I mean, uh, what are you doing differently than all of us dads uh, in terms of your, in terms of priorities, in terms of your work-life balance, in terms of your decisions, in terms of your time allocations? Tell us the secret.
1: <laughs> oh, I I don't know that I've found it, but what I do know is this: I know that when you, when when you get clear about what's important. That your calendar reflects your priorities and that we can know intellectually that we should be providers and whatnot. But if you look at your calendar, just ask, what does that say? Because at the end of each day, when I was with my kids for two weeks, at the end of each day, I thought, you know what, no matter what, I have no regrets. I never got to the end of a day. and was like, man, I regret not working. Like I regret that, like at the end of my life, I look back, I'll be like, man, I wish I would have worked that day and not spent it with my kids. But there were plenty of days when I was like, I regret the fact that I didn't spend it with my kids. I know that's a fact. Um, and what I think is that when you get that priority, then you get together with some brothers and you talk about it and you hold each other accountable. And you know, listen, if I get on Facebook or Instagram and I see all these guys crushing it in the world in their businesses, I I want to be pulled into that space and compete with them or do better or do more. When I'm around these dads and in our group, they're sharing like, I went on a week vacation with my kids. I took my kids for four weeks to Cuba. I did this. I took my my daughter on a daddy daughter date. Now I'm inspired to do those things. So I don't have the secret, but what I do know is that. I think getting around some guys where everybody brings something good to the table, whatever that is for you. So even if it's not front row dads, go create a community of dads in your neighborhood, in your area, in your community and talk about these things where, where, you know, people have said, I don't know who to quote for this, but where attention goes, energy flows, right? What you focus on expands and we just needs time. That's what it needs. It needs time. So all I'm trying to do is just make sure I block the time. I try to make sure that I hold this as an awareness in my life. So today I'm in the middle of my workday. I have 38 to do's. They're all red urgent flag. You know, like I got to do this now. And I took my kids on a 45 minute bike ride. I mean, the answer is like my buddy, Jim Shields, who wrote the the, the book, The Family Board Meeting, Jim says, sometimes business just has to suffer. Like that's the, that's the answer. Like, what do you do? And it's like, sometimes business has to suffer. So he has this great philosophy where he talks about having a board meeting with your kids once a quarter, you know, it's one, it's four hours at a minimum, no electronics, uninterrupted time. And he has it scheduled. It's one of the first thing that goes in the calendar and he guards it with his life. So I think that's what it is. It's, it's time blocking, just like for our businesses, like just how I wrote the book. I sat down, I blocked time. I didn't let anybody touch it. You do the same thing with your family, time block, guard it and don't let anybody touch it.
0: Love it, love it. Some great practical steps, steps here. Uh, you know, the other, other issue I think with the dads face is they uh, focus on fatherhood, but they, they they neglect the marriage and they neglect the relationship. Uh-huh. And then the marriage suffers, and then because the marriage suffers, the kids suffer. And it's this vicious, it's this vicious cycle that uh, a lot of us get stuck in. And I, I again, again, I always admit that I'm guilty too. So how do you feel that you can be a front row Husband, not just a front row entrepreneur <laughs> or a front row dad, but how can you be a front row husband, John?
1: Man, I'm deep in this right now, man. Ricky, I am deep in this space right now. I'm literally, this is my number one conversation that I'm having. And here's what I'm finding. Uh, we just had a post in our group about this. is and, and here's what the guy said. Most important was time blocking for your wife. So it's like having a regular date night. It's It's literally having something on your calendar you're looking forward to. In the book, I talk about hope a lot. And I think that hope sometimes has this weak connotation to it, but hope is a very powerful word. Hope brings the power of the future into the present moment. So it's very different than wishful thinking. See wishful thinking is like, I wish things were different. Hope says I make the difference. See, hope says and hope is about the future of what we're looking forward to. So in our charity, when we would create these events for people um, like I remember there was one for Thomas Kay, young man in Canada, wanted to go see the Rugby World Cup and we got him tickets and we told him he was going and he was in a wheelchair at the time and he was in physical therapy. And I remember hearing that he was working extra hard to be able to stand for the national anthem. That's what hope for the future does. I call that the anticipation principle. It's like things that we look forward to. So you might be working all week, Ricky, on your business, and you might not have much time with your wife, but when she knows you have a date night on Friday and you keep pinging her throughout the week with a text message that says, I'm looking forward to Friday night date night, or I can't wait, or you're just trickling out little, like, hey, we're going to get together. It's going to be great. That, that actually brings power to the present moment. You know, I I said this on a podcast earlier today about Christmas. I was like, for me, I don't know as a kid whether Christmas morning was more powerful or the 30 days leading up to it, because all the anticipation, all the excitement about Santa's coming, and you know all this stuff. And regardless of your religious practice, you understand the the principle of what I'm sharing, which is looking forward to something. So that anticipation principle is so important in a marriage too where I think it's about having time to vision together, to think together, to plan together, to put things on the calendar together, to have something to look forward to. Hope in a marriage I think is critical, but I have to tell you, and I have to be totally honest with you, Ricky, and all your listeners, this is an area where I'm working very hard to improve. I don't feel I'm an expert in that space. I feel I'm desperately looking for information. And I do find that some things are working right now. And some things that I'm getting from other people are working. But just like anything, if it gets attention, it's going to flourish. You know, most of the time it's going to flourish. It's going to, you know, cause most of the guys and gals out there listening, they're capable, able, smart people. They just need to put attention to it and read and learn and ask for help. Ask for advice. That's it know I, I love
0: this interview uh, thanks for your time today uh, john uh, we've covered a lot of subjects everything from being a front row traveler to a front flow uh, entrepreneur to a front row dad and a front row husband and we all want to be front row uh, you know people in every area of our life so thanks for sharing your insights and your tips and your advice and uh, your community with us
1: ricky thanks so much man I really appreciate you
0: you know, uh, what are the different ways that people can uh, find you? Uh, you mentioned the business site, but also the dad site. Uh, I don't know if you have the marriage site yet, but uh, with the front row of marriages. <laughs>
1: That's right. Everything is at frontrowfactor.com. You can get a couple chapters of the book there for free. Um, we have lots of resources to help you to live a front row life. Everything's there, including the charity and all of it. Frontrowfactor.com.
0: Awesome. So, uh, you know, uh, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I'll uh, have a link below so you can just click through there on our YouTube channel and on the show notes. Uh, so uh, I look forward to connecting with you at maybe one of your dad summits or uh, you know somewhere along the road. Thanks again, John. Hey, thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we covered some really, really, really important subject matter. It's one thing to see the world. It's one thing, another thing to make money, but it's a whole other thing to be a good husband, a good father. And that's what my focus is. That's what John's focus is. And if you are a father and husband listening and watching, make sure you check out John's stuff. Uh, He knows this stuff, and he's living it out as well. So thanks, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode.